Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Jack the back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird. They're getting weird fast. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. What was that? Michael, would you like to explain what was transpiring there? That was a couple that was joining the Mile High Club in the plane restroom, and I guess the flight attendant opens the door, and the whole plane sees them and starts cheering and laughing and pointing at them. Really happened. So, 
do we know on a major airline? It sounds like quite no. a lot of people. Yeah, no, there's a, vi- yeah, it's a video. No, I don't believe that the overwhelming reaction of, look, there's two adults fornicating in front of us is, ha, 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 ha. I don't believe that. There's a and video. The flight and attendant send- opened the door and pointed him out. Yeah. No. This I- is all stretching my credulity. Yes. Get your hands off my credulity. All right. Hey, get a rumor. Kids on the plane, you sickos, would have been what I would have said. Rather than, oh. We got a room, a bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, we we will watch during the commercial break and render our verdict. And if you have brought us deceitful audio, you will pay for it. First of all, how do you have sex in an airplane bathroom? What do you insert the soleil? How do you (laughs) possibly? Well, I'm five two. My girlfriend's four foot six, and we're both very thin. So, anyway, where was I? Uh, here we go. So, I promise this, and at long last, I will deliver. Uh, really interesting piece of writing by a fellow by the name of Patrick Brown. I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published, and um, <clears throat> we mentioned it in principle. Um, I think it was last week, but in the second part of it, it gets into some specifics that I thought were pretty compelling. He points out, you know, first of all, he points out in general, people are now tailoring their research um, to to arrive at pre-decided conclusions. Why is this happening? Begins with the fact that a researcher's career depends on his or her work being cited widely and perceived as important. This triggers the self-reinforcing emphasis, feedback loops. Emphasis on perceived. I'm not yeah. sure much of it's ever important. This triggers the self-reinforcing feedback loops of name recognition, funding, quality applications from aspiring PhD students and post-PhD students and postdocs, and of course, accolades. But as the number of researchers has skyrocketed in recent years, there are close to six times more PhDs earned in the U.S. each year than there were in the early 60s, for instance. Wow! It's become much more difficult than ever to stand out from the crowd. So there's been a tremendous premium placed on publishing in journals like Nature and Science. So it's become extraordinarily competitive. But then he goes into, you know, the there are biases and, and here's how it works. The first thing the astute climate researcher knows is that his or her work should support the mainstream narrative. That's fairly obvious that uh, climate change is catastrophic and it's caused by mankind. Greenhouse missions. So in my recent Nature paper, he writes, which I authored with seven others, I focused narrowly on the influence of climate change on extreme wildfire behavior. Make no mistake, that influence is very real. But there are also other factors that can be just as or more important such as poor forest management and in the increasing number of people who start wildfires either accidentally or purposely. Mm. A startling fact, over 80% of wildfires in the U.S. are ignited by humans. In my paper, we didn't bother to study the influence of these other obviously relevant factors. Did I know that including them would make for a more realistic and useful analysis? I did. But I also knew that it would detract from the clean narrative centered on the negative impact of climate change and thus decrease the odds that the paper would pass muster with nature's editors and reviewers. Meaning hamper his career and that of his his associates. Excuse me. I, you know, just to be fair, I want to point out it's not illegitimate to focus on a single factor and say, hey, I just wanted to look at this factor and how it's changing. But then when the mainstream media gets it, they act as if that's the only factor or the only significant factor yeah. because they didn't mention the other stuff. Um, 
Let's see. This type of framing with the influence of climate change but unrealistically. Man, for, yeah. When you're talking about academics, though, they're, 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 they should be several grades above the way we take in mainstream media. You would think a thorough yeah. paper would be able to mention all these other things, maybe just not as much as your main point. Sure. Yeah, maybe it's just, you know, in the, the summary, the executive yeah. summary, whatever, where they point out this is far from the only thing, but we wanted to take a look at blah, blah, blah. Uh, this type of framing with the influence of climate change unrealistically considered in isolation is the norm for high profile research papers. For example, in another recently a recent influential nature paper scientists calculated that the two largest climate change impacts on society are deaths related to extreme heat and damage to agriculture. However, the authors never mentioned that climate change is not the dominant driver for either one of these impacts. Heat-related deaths have been declining, and crop yields have been increasing for decades despite climate change. To acknowledge this would imply that the world has succeeded in some areas despite climate change, which the thinking goes would undermine the motivation for emissions reductions. Right. Which it would. And again, keeping in mind, this guy's a climate scientist who believes a human-caused climate change is a significant deal. He says, this leads to a second unspoken rule in writing a successful climate paper. The author should ignore or at least downplay practical actions that can counter the impact of climate change. Ah. If deaths due to extreme heat are decreasing and crop yields are increasing, then it stands to reason that we can overcome some major negative effects of climate change. Shouldn't we then study how we've been able to achieve success so that we can facilitate more of it? Of course we should. But studying solutions rather than focusing on problems is simply not going to rouse the public or the press. Besides, many mainstream climate scientists tend to view the whole prospect of, say, using technology to adapt to climate change as wrongheaded. Addressing admissions is the right approach, so the savvy researcher knows to stay away from practical solutions. This is no way to run an enlightenment. Yeah, well said. And then here's a third trick. Be sure to focus on metrics that will generate the most eye-popping numbers. Our paper, for instance, could have focused on simple intuitive metrics like the number of additional acres that burned or the increase in intensity of wildfires because of climate change. Instead, we followed the common practice of looking at the change in risk of an extreme event. In our case, the increased risk of wildfires burning more than 10,000 acres in a single day. This is a far less intuitive metric that's much more difficult to translate into actionable information. So why is this more complicated and less useful kind of metric so common? Because it generally produces larger factors of increase to other calculations. To wit, you get bigger numbers that justify the importance of your work, its rightful place in nature, science, and widespread media coverage. In other words, to quote Arnold Schwarzenegger, make it exciting, make it spicy. <laughs> so that's how you get legit, serious scientists publishing harem, scarum stuff that get, then gets trumpeted in the media. You carefully tailor what you're looking at it, you know, what verbiage you use. You do it in isolation without the other factors and make sure to never mention practical solutions. And that industry then the green energy you know climate change industry in general is generating trillions and trillions of dollars where trillions of dollars are being generated dishonesty follows right that's uh, too bad because it is going to stifle innovation around how to deal with climate change i would agree yeah 
I would agree. Uh, and, uh, you know, what's especially frustrating, because that's a great point, is that given the intransigent of in, intransigence of India and China especially, you would think realists would say, okay, we got to keep pushing to, like, change the energy technologies. But until we can get everybody on board, we desperately need solutions, practical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, accommodations, like he was describing. I mean, that's the obvious course. Like bikinis for Minnesotans. That's right. Sell your parka, buy a a bikini. You know, when I think about, you know, I'm trying to come up with a a metaphorical example. Um, The idea of China and India and all sorts of other third world countries, Africa, who are legitimately saying, wait, dudes, you all got like crazy rich using fossil fuels because they're an amazing source of energy. I mean, if you think about it, dead dinosaurs and old plant life. A gallon of that stuff can get a 2,000-pound car to go 30 miles? Are you kidding me? That's an incredible energy source. And they're saying, wait, you guys have this incredible standard of living using fossil fuels, and now you're bitching that the climate's gotten slightly warmer so we can't use any of it? Pound the very sand we're going to be drilling into. So they're not going to be cooperating anytime soon. So the obvious solution, the only solution, is practical ways to adjust to the climate change. There you go. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jason Riley's piece in the Wall Street Journal. We talked about this last week. Melissa Kearney, an economist who wrote a new book called The Two-Parent Privilege, and the New York Times bravely covered it. Um, The premise of the book being that uh, having an intact family is an incredible advantage to kids. And Jason Riley writes, and this is so good, and trust me, this is going somewhere. Melissa Kearney's new book, The Two-Parent Privilege, is an attempt to explain the importance of marriage to her fellow, fellow liberal intellectuals. Sadly, she has her work cut out. The author is an MIT-trained economist, and as the book jacket explains, she makes, quote, a provocative data-driven case for marriage by showing how the institution's decline has led to a host of economic woes, problems that have fractured American society and rendered vulnerable populations even more vulnerable. And he compliments the, the tone of the book and the writing and the rest of it. But he says, I'm not sure how provocative it is, however, as the New York Times had labeled it. When Ms. Kearney writes that the absence of a father from a child's home appears to have direct effects on the children's outcome, and not only because of the loss of parental income, or that we need to, quote, restore and foster a norm of two-parent homes for children, it not only makes perfect sense to me, but it also sounds very familiar. Then again, I'm not the reader she's targeting. He explains he hardly needs convincing that there are strong links between family structure and well-being of children. He points out research that began in 1965 and unequivocally stated that. And common sense. Do I need research of any kind to lead me to this conclusion? By a leading economist? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he goes through this. George Gilder wrote about the importance of the nuclear family in sexual suicide in 1973 and men in marriage in 1986. Charles Murray touched on it in his landmark study, Losing Ground, 1984, made similar arguments in Coming Apart in 2012. In 1994, David Blankenhorn published Fatherless America. 96 brought David Popino's Life Without Father, compelling new evidence that fatherhood and marriage are indispensable for the good of children and society. Shocking. 
Other books that cover the same ground as Ms. Kearney include, and I'm not going to list them all, but a book by Linda Waite and Maggie Gallagher, a book by James Q. Wilson, Kay Heimowitz, uh, Ralph Richard Banks, uh, which was specifically about African-American families, all making the same arguments in the same way using the same data. Forthcoming value from the University of Virginia sociologist Brad Wilcox is called Get Married, Why Americans Must Defy the Elites, Forge Strong Families, and Save Civilizations. Mr. Wilcox's subtitle neatly encapsulates Ms. Kearney's dilemma. Conservatives likely are familiar with at least a few of the aforementioned titles, yet those books in many cases have been denounced or simply ignored by the same left-wing intellectuals Ms. Kearney is trying to win over. In a recent podcast with fellow economist Stephen Dubner, who's part of the uh, Free Economics team, Ms. Kearney said that writing the book felt like taking a quote big risk professionally, because her peers tend her peers rather tend to avoid addressing the role of family structure in discussions of social inequality and look down on those who do. I find that horrifying. Uh, that anybody would have the view that this is like risky material or you need research and books to point this out. But well, and there are stacks of books that point it out. But I will say again, if you uh, if you go to marriage counseling or therapists or anything like that, I've never heard one ever bring up the idea, you know, parenting, it's going to be hard on the kids. Nobody ever says that. Even wow. though it's clearly true. Wow. The whole truths that I don't find comfortable, I will ignore completely school of thinking. Right. Now, a word from our friends at Simply Safe. There is never a wrong time to protect your home, but this fall happens to be an especially good time because you can get up to 50% off a brand new Simply Safe home security system named, once again, the best home security of 2023 by U.S. News and World Report. Oh, Simply Safe is absolutely amazing. It's the best out there, and it's a lot less expensive. Simply Safe is comprehensive protection for the whole home with advanced sensors that detect break ins, fires, floods, and more, plus HD cameras for both inside and outside the house. It's all powered by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. That's half the cost of traditional home security. Oh, and we love this with 24-7 live guard protection and the smart alarm wireless indoor camera. Monitoring agents can actually see and speak to intruders, helping stop crime in real time. That's a powerful technology exclusively from Simply Safe. Try Simply Safe risk free for 60 days. If you don't love it, return it, but you're going to love it. For limited time, listeners can get special 50% off any Simply Safe system with a fast protect plan. Visit slash Armstrong. That's slash Armstrong. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Here's another quote from Ms. Kearney, who again has think, written a good book <laughs> in, a, in a, a skillful way. Yes? I would think you'd start there. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> start with this is going to be devastating for the kids. If now, you have any honesty or courage, yes, of course. The author recalled being asked by Mr. Dubner while still researching the book if she was concerned about being labeled as a social conservative if she published. I took that to heart, Ms. Kearney said, because I knew what you were saying, which is really, do you worry that academics aren't going to take you seriously if you sound socially conservative? I want to punch somebody in the face. I'm not exactly sure who, but this is the story is making me want to punch somebody in the face. Are you concerned it. that you'll be labeled a social conservative? What kind of question is that? What kind of answer is that? Riley goes on to point out what an enormous problem this is in the country, the the tattering of the family. Um, still, it's unfortunate we've reached a point where scaredy cat social scientists are more interested in being popular than following the facts, weighing the evidence, and supporting the findings. 
whether the topic is family structure, climate change, or the New York Times 1619 Project, the intellectual cowardice on display in recent years has been stunning. It's clear that our intellectual class, like every other special interest group, has its own agenda and its own blind spots. For too many academic scholars, integrity has become a secondary concern. I would say to label any pursuit an intellectual pursuit that ignores not only facts, but most of the facts and the most compelling facts to reach a predetermined outcome. To call them a social science is bizarre. It's practically hilarious. It's certainly misapplied. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now, broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. Celebrating 25 years of radio excellence. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I know we're going to go this direction, but I came across this tweet. Um... I think maybe colleges need to do a one-word vocabulary test where they ask freshmen to define the word violence and offer remedial classes to people who think a rescinded job offer is violence, but what Hamas did to Israeli civilians is not. 
And that was linked to the story of NYU law students say classmate losing job offer over pro-Hamas statement is violence. So a rescinded job offer is violence. Decapitating babies is not violence. There needs to be a better word for the stupidity that comes from intellectualism. And I don't mean learning or reading or curiosity. I mean the sort of, uh, you know, far left university intellectualism we're seeing these days because it utterly unplugs your intelligence. It's amazing. I mean, that is on its face idiotic to say that. And yet they do seriously and get, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yay. Let's chant. I saw another video. I think this was. I think this was NYU. And but another video of a college student going around tearing down the posters of the missing Israelis that, that have was been posted. a professor in New York. And somebody said something to him, and they said they just bombed a hospital. Of course, you know he was looking at his own New York Times headline, which said this Israel bombed a hospital. But so the those very kind of universities were claiming all kinds of crap about if you misgender somebody that's violence you know we need to have safe spaces from this or that we, we can't have tests the day after this news story came out because we're too rattled or all kinds of different things no it was all crap it was all an effort to gain and exercise power i want to get into that Clearly. a little more thoroughly yeah, but yeah, those those sacred principles and the speech is violence and all that was just crap that counts on you being a good person and a moral person. And when you're told doing this is immoral, you think, oh, my gosh, is it? Let me think about that. OK, if you you seem really angry about it, so I guess it's immoral. No, no, they're exploiting your goodness. Anyway, more on that to come. Yeah, I don't believe this, in the whole unsafe thing that much. But if you're an, a, a Jewish student and they're tearing down posters of missing Jews who may be already being tortured by Hamas, I don't know how safe you'd feel at that campus. You have campus organizations dedicated to eliminating uh, uh, Israel, which often is extended to the Jewish people. Okay, yeah, you're supposed to feel safe. So I'm um, uh, excuse the jumping around the nature of this, but I've got a bunch of different stuff that kind of fits the same theme. Uh, this is the most Orwellian thing I've ever heard. The Telegraph UK trying to cancel Orwell with the headline. George Orwell was sadistic, misogynistic, homophobic, and sometimes violent, according to the story. Which, uh, readers added context, which is the new thing on Twitter, or call it X, where people can jump in and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they point out the headlines, an extract from a book written by one woman that is trying to assert that the characters in George Orwell's fictional works are a reflection of his actual personality. And there is no documented evidence. But for whatever reason, the Telegraph UK tried to cancel Orwell. Oh, you're going to cite Orwell? He was a misogynist, a homophobe, and sometimes violent. They're trying to actually cancel Orwell, which is the most Orwellian thing ever. Based on having characters that were misogynist, violent, whatever, in fiction. Wow. Wow. That's Orwellian. 
From the New York Times, after writing an anti-Israel letter, Harvard students feel the repercussions. It's uh, the backlash against the coalition. More than 30 student groups that posted that open letter on the night of the Hamas slaughter, saying that Israel was entirely responsible for the violence that ended up leaving 14, more than 1,400 dead, most of them civilians. Now, they mention a bunch of different uh, backlashes, including the doxing truck. I am not in favor of doxing people, particularly dopey college kids who are still trying to figure out life. I will go up against them in the uh, arena of ideas and convince them they're wrong. I don't need angry people to know where their sister goes to high school. Because that sort of thing is happening. Speaking of, are you going to abandon your principles because the other side has? I I won't. Um... But it's also gotten more complicated than that because you have multiple folks from the University of Pennsylvania, uh, notable alums, saying, I've closed my checkbook until you, the the president of the university, are gone. You have some uh, Harvard leaders, board members, Lawrence, Lawrence Summers, former Harvard president. Harvard president criticized the leadership for their delayed response. They said it was pathetic. Uh, multiple firms now are rescinding job offers to the Harvard students who signed those letters saying we don't want to work with anybody who is uh, pro-terrorism or pro the slaughter of civilians. That's pretty bold. Uh, I didn't think that would happen. I didn't either. Um, I think, like I said last hour, this light is so bright shining on the far left on university campuses. People are realizing, oh, Armstrong and Getty and people like them have been calling these people neo-Marxist lunatics haven't been wrong. They were, In fact, they were right. These people are dangerous. This article in the New York Times quotes, uh, what is this guy's first name? Meyer. Um, he was the former uh, editor of the conservative Stanford Review, but he's a staunch defender of free speech. He says, at one point, I defended critics of Israel against what I called right-wing cancel culture. But if you're a member of an organization that advocates terrorism in your name, you aren't just a sitting duck. You're a person with agency. You can say, I disavow this. These are Harvard students we're talking about. They need to be held to a higher standard. Then they get into the complexities of cancel culture versus uh, taking responsibility for what you've said. Uh, let's see, Nadine Strauss and former president of the American Civil Liberties Union, hmm? Liberties Union called the student's statement deplorable, but said that was beside the point. Collecting names sounds like a throwback to the McCarthy era blacklist, she said. Uh, latest list could muzzle not only these students, but also those who might share more thoughtful and less categorical pronouncements. They're just afraid to speak out, period. That's what I object to. Um... Then she says the concept of proportionality, elusive as it is, is woven into the very fabric of not only American law, but international human rights law. But then went on to point out that Harvard, which said, no, we got to let these people do it because we value free speech, just finished dead last in Fire.org's rating of colleges for free speech protection. By the way, to give you an idea what outliers these college students are, the the smartest and brightest people in our country that are going to be our our future leaders, this Quinnipiac poll that came out, voters think supporting Israel is in the national interest of the United States, overwhelmingly all parties. So do you think supporting Israel is in the national interest of the United States? Republicans, it's 84 to 12. Democrats, it's 76 to 17. 
Independent, 74 to 19. So overall for the country, it's about 80-20. Yeah. Not even close. Think supporting Israel is in the national interest of the United States. But uh, it's overwhelmingly uh, popular on our college campuses. The more elite, the more popular. At the University of Michigan, a business professor smirked in photos as he ripped down posters with names and photos of some of the 199 people who Hamas took hostage. At Cornell, a laughably named diversity and inclusion officer took to his social media to celebrate the Hamas tax. Hamas attacks is resistance. Other such revolting garbage occurred at the University of Virginia, Stanford, George Washington, Swarthmore, and a host of other elite schools. Huge pushback, though, from major donors at the University of Pennsylvania, for instance. We mentioned John Huntsman, who wrote a scathing indictment. To the outsider, it appears that Penn has become deeply adrift in ways that make it almost unrecognizable. Moral relativism has fueled the university's race to the bottom and sadly now has reached a point where remaining impartial is no longer an option. Silence is anti-Semitism, and anti-Semitism is hate, the very thing higher ed was built to obviate. Worth mentioning that when George Floyd was murdered, then-Harvard President Lawrence Bacow couldn't wait to issue a 600-word personal statement about the senseless killing and harangue leaders for not bringing people together. But on this, he uh, has been uh, silent. Dang it, that's interesting. So that guy was a diversity inclusion officer who believed Hamas was in the right to do what they did? That's absolutely amazing. So you've been going around spouting that crap about safe spaces and speeches, violence, and all those different things, and you come out on the side of Hamas. Wow. I hope everybody wakes up to that, but I don't think it's going to work. I think that that, that tactic is still going to be powerful for a long time. That I believe in treating everybody the same and giving them their constitutional rights, but I've been saying forever, diversity is not about diversity at all. It's about shoving aside or silencing white people. Equity is socialism, and inclusion only means people who agree with me. Top U.S. law firm Davis Polk announced in an internal email that it had rescinded, rescinded letters of employment for three law students at Harvard University and Columbia University who signed on to organizational statements regarding Israel. Let's see. Billionaire Victoria's Secret founder Leslie Wexler has officially cut all ties and financial support in Harvard in a blistering letter. I think this will get their attention, won't it? Won't the big donors cutting back? I don't uh, I don't know. Um, On one hand, they seem to really care about that sort of thing because they let all the rich people's kids in. (laughs) On the other hand, we keep hearing about their endowments. So they have how many billions of dollars? How much money do you need to run a university? Said uh, Wexner, quote, we are stunned and sickened by the dismal failure of Harvard's leadership to take a clear and unequivocal stance against the barbaric murders of innocent Israeli civilians. Harvard's leadership were indeed tiptoeing, equivocating, and we, like former Harvard President Larry Summers, cannot, quote, fathom the administration's failure to disassociate the university and condemn the statements swiftly. That should not have been that hard. In the absence of this clear moral stand, we have determined that the Harvard Kennedy School and the Wexner Foundation are no longer compatible partners. Wait, there's more. Another major pen donor, David Magerman, says he will no longer support the university. I'm deeply ashamed of my association with the University of Pennsylvania. I refuse to donate another dollar to Penn. There's no action at Penn, no action anyone at Penn can take to change that. Uh, Jonathan Jacobson of High Sage Ventures, who has given tens of millions of dollars, tens of millions, if you can imagine that, to Penn, has closed his checkbook, calls the president, McGill, feckless and laughable. 
rakes them up and down over the coals for uh, two full pages. Then a final thought on this topic as the clock is running low. From the Wall Street Journal, they have a serious problem in Germany. A serious cultural issue. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there are strict laws against public anti-Semitism in Germany, such as the horrific scar of the Holocaust upon their land. Well, Angela Merkel imported many, many thousands of thousands of immigrants from the Muslim world who are now marching through the streets, chanting death to Israel, death to the Jews. And Germany's not quite sure what to do about it. That's a problem. That's a hell of a problem. Quick question for you. What if you happen to miss this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So this is a lurid story and an unfortunate one, and we bring it to you only under protest, but it's getting a lot of attention. A Democrat, a woman running for Virginia's House of Delegates, has refused to drop out of the race despite being outed as an online porn star. And not like uh, back when she was young or something. No, like yesterday. She can be seen in videos uh, uh, performing various acts with her husband, and I don't mean the second act from Hamlet either, uh, online and encouraging watchers to pay them with tips for specific requests. This is a very attractive 40-year-old nurse practitioner mother of two. Right, and you have no business prying into her life. I'm going with the New York Times version of this sort of thing, where it's merely evil Republicans uh, taking leaked videos of a private behavior they and, post trying them to, online. and trying to damage a woman. <laughs> Do you know what the Internet is? As uh, somebody tweeted out yesterday, can you imagine a, Republic, a Republican getting this kind of coverage if they had lived this lifestyle? Oh, as opposed getting the to- charitable treatment, right. Yeah, hilarious. Unbelievable. So they willingly, so they had a sex channel. Uh, essentially, I'll get into the details. Okay. Um, so uh, she's running for a highly competitive seat in suburban Richmond. And as you may know, Virginia is a fairly purple state right now. Glenn Youngkin, a Republican, won the governorship, even though the legislature Democrat, etc. Um, uh, Ms. Gibson rejected calls for her to drop out of the race. Said the exposure of the videos, quote, was an illegal invasion of my pri- privacy designed to humiliate me and my family. It won't intimidate me and it won't silence me. Uh, it wasn't illegal in any regard. I don't uh, know that. And I don't know that I think she needs to drop out. Well, it's up to the voters, honestly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, my political opponents and their Republican allies have proven they're willing to commit a sex crime to attack me and my family because there's no line they won't cross to silence women when they speak up. Well, that's some really good phony righteous indignation. I congratulate you on it. Uh, the newly unearthed video show the political candidate was anything b- uh, but scrupulous about her online sexual activities. They were posted to Chatterbait. A platform that is named for the act of pleasuring oneself while chatting online. Wow. Chat, chatterbait. I do not know chatterbait. You could jump on it now if you'd like. Uh, videos on the site are streamed live without a password and often archived on other publicly available sites. Well, you have to know if something's you're streaming something on the Internet, people can be capturing it. Well, sure. And again, this is not a fee site. This is not a password protected site. You just jump on if you want, including, by the way, if you're a 12 year old boy or girl, which is Uh, just so wrong. Right. So under uh, Gibson's username, she had more than a dozen videos archived on another set with a a site rather with a similar name uh, after she entered the race. uh, It's her and her husband, though, right? It's not her and like random Mm -hmm. dudes. Gibson can be seen in the videos, although she is a big-time swinger and brags in some of the videos about how many guys she's banged in one day. Ah, and and her, her husband e- doesn't like it, but he permits it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry for the frank talk, folks, yeah, but I mean, it's taken little... all my energy to tap dance around it. Ask me to sit down before you say stuff like that. Well, so you better lie down because I'm just getting started. Uh, let's see. Gibson can be seen in the videos asking viewers for tips to request specific sex acts, which is in violation of Chatterbait's terms and conditions, oh. by the way. So where does she get off? Well, I see, that's why camera. I'm not going to vote for her. It's not the sex. It's the violating terms and conditions. I won't right. have it. Of an institution as cherished as Chatterbait. When I <laughs> click I agree to an app, I mean it. 
In one clip obtained by the Daily Mail, Gibson tells her husband, I'll let you blank me in the... Oh, Lord, I can't even, no, I can't even tap dance no. around. I think we all well, I'm, know. I'm trying to convey to people what's happening we'll here. Know, I'm a, we'll I'm a journalist. We all know what sex is. Well, yeah, but it's like a... It's, 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 it's not something everybody does every time. Um, if someone wants to pay, that's the deal. So they'll like go- I don't see how that's going to help her get pregnant. Uh, hmm. So they will climb the ladder of sexual adventurousness depending on how much they're tipped. Okay. I'll give you a five uh, spot to stand on your head. Oh, here's another one. You can watch her. I don't want to watch you do that. Anyway, uh, I blank random strangers if they're hot. We've tried swapping. Uh, I'll give you 15 bucks to wear that horse mask that was so popular about a decade ago. (laughs) I was so disappointed when mine disintegrated and I had to throw it away. (laughs) Uh, And and she goes on and on about how much she just loves, loves, loves fornicating and will do everything anything for tips and the rest of it uh again the idea that as she said and you know it maybe you're fine with all of that for your assembly candidate i don't care you vote the way you want to vote but for her to say my political opponents and republican allies have proven they're willing to commit a sex crime to attack me and my family yeah yeah that disqualifies her more than the uh the, the sex stuff to me yeah, you're gonna you're, that's you're, ridiculous you're gonna claim crap like that Hey, you willingly did that, and you're just, you just got to go with, well, people are either going to accept me based on my policies or not. My personal life shouldn't matter to them. Oh, if she'd said that, I could respect it and think, you know, you're a perv, but what are your policies? Go ahead and tell me. Armstrong and Getty. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.